The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If you then have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. It can be surprising to hear that the master in our Gospel lesson commended the dishonest steward for his shrewdness. The master has at least a couple reasons to be angry. First, his steward was wasteful. His only job was to take care of his master's possessions. A good steward would treat his master's things like his own. Instead, this steward treated them as though they were disposable. If you've ever said about something, well, it's not my problem, then you know how this steward felt about his master's stuff. Except it was his problem. It was his only job. And he was awful at it. And so the master fired him. But here's another surprising thing. Although he recognized the shrewdness in his steward, the master himself doesn't seem to be very shrewd. The firing doesn't seem to take place, take effect right away. 
He doesn't take the books away from the steward immediately. He leaves him in charge for a little longer, long enough to do some real damage. Either the master doesn't have a lick of sense, or he also doesn't really care about his stuff. Now, given this strange opportunity, the steward kicks things into gear. He goes to work immediately, defrauding his master. He says to one debtor, cut your bill in half. And to another, you get a 20% discount. And at his master's expense, he made some friends so that he wouldn't have to dig or beg after his last day on the job. That crime seems worse than his first. Fraud seems worse than laziness. And so there are plenty of reasons for the master to be angry. And you expect him to do what other masters in other parables have done. You expect him, in his anger, to deliver the wicked steward over to the jailers until he should pay back all that he had stolen from his master. But he doesn't. Instead, what we hear is this. The master commended the dishonest steward for his shrewdness. What are we supposed to make of that? It helps to recognize that this is not a story about justice or mercy. It's not about the unjust steward getting his due. And it's not about the master showing the steward compassion when he sees how desperate he is. Instead, it's a story about honesty. It's a story about learning who it is that you really serve. In the course of the story, we learn that the steward doesn't actually serve the man who is his master. Although that's his title, and the steward owes him his faithfulness, he clearly doesn't serve his master. And you can tell by the way he treats his responsibilities. He doesn't care one bit. He acts as though he owes nothing to his master. In fact, he acts as though his master owes him something as he wastes his possessions and defrauds him. But that does not mean that the steward has no master. It does not mean that he serves no one. You discover who his master is the moment he kicks things into gear, the moment he wakes up and says, I have to do something. I don't want to dig or beg. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that I'm comfortable. And he does. He has a master, and that master is his own comfort. St. Paul talks about people serving their own bellies, and that's who this guy serves. He is self-absorbed and completely committed to his own happiness. Now, clearly, it's bad to be self-absorbed. Clearly, it's bad to be dishonest and wasteful. But what's not bad, and in fact is rather quite impressive is the steward's dedication. He couldn't be bothered to take care of his master's possessions, but when it was his own neck on the line, he was motivated and creative and successful. He made things happen, and he found a way to do what needed to be done in faithful service to his own comfort. That is what his master saw and commended as shrewdness. It's like giving props to your opponent who beat you with a really good play or giving some credit to a student who clearly didn't study, but nonetheless wrote down a clever answer on the test. Even though this guy was a scoundrel, you have to give him credit for being a really, really good scoundrel. 
But there is a bit more than shrewdness at stake in this story. We get a hint of it in the way the master treats his own possessions. Remember how careless he was when he fired the steward. If he really was concerned about how much money his wasteful steward was costing him, he would have taken away the books the moment he fired it. And I suspect that if the write-offs given to his debtors were really going to cause him hardship, he would have been kicking himself for being such a fool rather than commending the steward. But instead, the master dreams seems to treat it all like it's just a big joke, like it's just a game, like it's play money. That is the kind of attitude towards unrighteous wealth that Jesus is trying to convey. When it comes to money and possessions, it feels to us like the stakes are extraordinarily high. And so a downturn or a job loss or a pay cut or some catastrophic expense, these are devastating. And people will scramble and scrape and do anything to maintain the sense of security that money and possessions can supply. Money is a master that demands complete devotion, complete service. And we are all too often willing to comply. But from the perspective of Jesus, it's all just a big joke. It's just a game. After all, why would you serve a master so powerless? Why would you devote yourself to something so flimsy and fleeting as money and possessions, which have no lasting value, neither in eternity nor even right now? Why would you express love for such a master who does not and cannot love you? For the sons of this world who have no knowledge of true riches, this shrewdness is commendable, even as the unjust steward was commendable in getting what he wanted, in his diligence, in serving his own belly. If that's all you're living for, then sure, you better do it well. But not the sons of light. Not you. You know true riches. The riches of forgiveness, life, and salvation. The riches of the kingdom of God. The riches of divine love and holiness. You know that in comparison, the unrighteous wealth of this world is like play money. It's a joke. It's no more than a game. But here Jesus gives us a warning. The sons of light, he says, are not as shrewd as the sons of this world. Christians are not as diligent, as devoted to true riches as the sons of this world are to money. And so at this point, we should take our cue from the world. We should see that time and energy and attention are all measures of service to a master. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is it that makes you kick things into gear? What is it that drives you to be motivated and creative and successful? Where is your treasure? Who is your master? You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and your own comfort. And that, you see, is precisely the reason God took on human flesh, was born of the Virgin Mary, died and rose from the grave. Because left to our own devices, we would only ever serve the fleeting things of this world, temporary pleasures, slight and momentary joys, and we would miss out on true riches. Left to our own devices, we may feel like we are making our own way in this world, but we are, in fact, enslaved. Slaves to our bellies, 
slaves to things that have no lasting significance, taking this joke, this play money, this game, all too seriously. But Christ, a loving master, a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, Christ has come to free you from all your false and loveless masters. He has come to save you from yourself, from your own belly. He has come to draw you to himself, to call you by his promise of life and every blessing, to fill you with his own spirit, for diligence in serving your heavenly Father, for faithfulness in loving God and your neighbor. He has come to rescue you from sin and death and the eternal condemnation, which is the cost of devoting ourselves to the things of this world. He has come to rescue you by his own complete devotion to you, by his perfect, faithful service to you, by giving you everything that's his, true riches, even his own flesh and blood, his own life. Where his treasure is, there is his heart also. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.